Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Rambling Symmetry, a podcast in which you'll join brotherly hosts Yanis and Sophian in their conversations on topics which they bear in their hearts and minds. Sophie and I are identical twins who were partly raised in France by a French mother and a Franco-Algerian father. We've been in Canada for about 20 years total. Soph works, and I am a PhD student in environmental studies at Queen's University. This podcast is our first attempt at getting our ideas and reflections out into the public. These episodes are meant to be raw and largely uncut. Each one will begin with the presentation of a social object as an opener to the topic. As you can see from the podcast's name, we are twins, or symmetry, that will be rambling. It's important to note that these are conversations between two brothers, so should not be taken to be dialogues between experts. There will be topics on which we shall be more knowledgeable than others, but our approach will mostly be conversational. So, sit back and relax, but stay on your guard, and please practice attentive listening. We welcome any and all comments, criticisms, and questions, as long as it's respectful and thoughtful. Welcome to the first episode of Rambling Symmetry. It's your brotherly host, Yanis, here. I just wanted to provide a short intro to Untold Numbers. Some may think that the title of this episode is unclear because it doesn't name the topic of colonialism directly. I assure you folks that a reason will be provided once I introduce the social object of this particular episode. We decided that the first episode would broach the complex but important topic of colonialism because we believe that every conversation should start with truthful awareness of the spaces in which it occurs. Given the colonial reality of Canadian society and our role as settlers within it, we attempt to speak to this reality in this episode as settlers making their awareness known and encouraging other settlers to join us in coming clean and reversing past and ongoing injustices. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our ramblings. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. This is uh, Yanis. And this is Sofian. And we're here for the first episode of our podcast. And our podcast is going to be slightly different from a lot of other podcasts out there. Ours is, is, is intended to bring a social object. So the definition of social object on the internet, specifically on medium.com, uh, is a social object is a term coined by Yuri Egenstrom. Uh, it's an object creating a human connection between two people. And it's pretty simple like that. An example that is given on the Medium, uh, the Medium app is you and your friend, Joe, like to go bowling every Tuesday. The bowling is the social object between you two. Now, I wanted to bring objects to this podcast as conversation starters. Um, and objects, for me, is going to be a little bit more open than that in this podcast. It's going to be social objects, but it doesn't have to be a situation or a thing that two people share. It can be for a lot more than just two people. It can be, you know, it can be something just as simple as an, as a, an actual physical material object. So to me, when you're talking about bowling as the social object... What I would bring if the topic of my podcast were uh, bowling is I would bring a bowling ball 
or as the representation of the object, or I would bring bowling shoes, or what have you. Anything that actually refers back to the situation that you share with somebody else or other people. So, in the sense, the first object that we will bring for this episode, or the first object that we will bring for uh, for this first episode, uh, sorry, uh, I'm going to have to edit that afterwards. Um, Don't stop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, the, the object that I will bring for this episode Just is see. is a poem. And specifically, a poem about about uh, that will relate to the topic at hand, which is reconciliation. Reconciliation, Canadian reconciliation specifically, reconciliation between indigenous peoples in what is now called Canada, or Turtle Island, if you prefer, and and colonizers, settlers, Canadians, uh, what have you. Um, so that's so that's what the topic is going to, is going to be today. So I'm going to start by reading the poem, and then we shall get on to the conversation with my brother Sophie here, um, who will be the secondary host uh, uh, for most of uh, for for all of these, if not. Uh, yeah, you uh, can tell that I'm not the brains of the operation here. I mean, you could be the brains of the operation if you put more into it. Yeah, if I try to reach into it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so there we go. So that's just a few words to start it off. We're going to try to do something quite, uh, well, let's just say open and raw. And we're not really going to try to to cut so much. Unless, of course, it it's rambling into nothing. Although this show is called Rambling Symmetry. So there you go. You and the symmetry, it's us, the brothers, the twins. Yes, as will be said in this introduction already. Right. So you don't need to keep on saying that forever. Like, okay. this is not the introduction. There will be an introduction where we explain all this to people. I know, I wasn't, I was just being playful. Okay. Okay. Um, so, okay, let me just read this poem here, and we'll get started. So this poem is titled, Untold Numbers. Untold Numbers occupy a moist, dark, and unending deep. With them are horrors that only earth dare speak. But as they are below, they once were above. Their lives were cut short by the murderers of love. Let the light shine on us as it shone on them. Let us come clean and colonialism condemn. So there you go. That's the object for today. This object is going to animate the conversation that starts now. So I guess right now what we could do is we could reflect on the poem and the specific themes, uh, the specific direction. Um, you know, you could always could always think about specific stanzas that you like, uh, that you don't like, that or you know whatever whatever you think. So Sophie, let's start with you. What do you think of the poem? Well, the first time I read this poem, the, what's really stood out to me was uh, the murderers of love. So that's the second stanza, right? Or the third one? That's the second stanza. stanza. Okay, there's three stanzas. There's three third stanza. one at the bottom there, referring to the murderers of love. And I thought that was good. And, and we actually talked about this, about the title of the poem, and maybe that, I, I thought that maybe that would be a good way. But it really depends on how you take the poem. So, yeah, the way you, you named it. What is the name, actually, that you gave this poem? The name is Untold Numbers. Untold Numbers. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's good to start there, I think, with, with poems, is what you're really trying to get out, the, the meaning of it. I, I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, it really brings out to me... Um, 
especially the picture that you associated with it, um, it's very poignant and it's in your face. And I, I really like that about it. And I, I think what it's trying to be is to be super clear about the anguish that people that suffered these, uh, these uh, I guess this genocide is what we can call it, you know, how, you know, frightening and, and horrifying it is, you know, bringing out the depth of the misery that this the situation of colonialism and imperialism caused these people as they went through their experiences, their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the reason, so just to call back to, to, to the reasons that I, that I wrote the poem, the, the poem I, I wrote after, um, I think it was in 2021 or was it 2020? I can't remember now. The, the, the years are a little hazy for me because I, I specifically tried not to go look this up because I didn't want to prepare. I wanted the, the, the reactions that we have in this podcast to be as raw as possible, um, to be as conversational as possible. And I, can't, I think it was 2021 when the numbers, the, 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 whole, the tale of, 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 you know, these, these mass graves being found in, I can't remember which, which province it was. It was one Started of the... in B.C., I think. I, uh, yeah, if it was B.C., then. Or one of, the, of those western provinces. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and, you know, and then they found, the, 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 they found and they brought out so many different bodies, so many bodies, so, much, so many more. And they, were, they confirmed claims that had been made by indigenous, uh, uh, indigenous people, so people who had been students in residential schools um, and who, you know, who had been claiming for years that people had disappeared, had just disappeared on the face of the planet and had never been seen again, and that they had been buried um, in either the backyards or in the yards, the front yards, the, you know, uh, of these, and some of, some of them in, in places out in the bush, you know, so in places where these people, the people running these schools didn't think that anybody would ever go looking for them. So, so, and then the numbers started coming out. I think it was in the multiple thousands uh, that, that had been buried over time throughout Canada, throughout the years of the running of these yeah. associations. At first, the schools. numbers were in the hundreds. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't even that they'd found or uh, deterred or, I guess, taken, uh, inhumed so many bodies. It's just they could tell by the size of the grave, the dirt, how mm. it was around. You know, basically they brought archaeologists and right. specialists and just by looking at the terrain and the areas mm. around it, they could tell how big the graves were. And right. based on the hundreds of years that these things had been in operation, these residential schools or institutions, they could sort of surmise to a certain extent. But then they actually did start to find thousands mm -hmm. of bodies. Like yeah. you could at first have a theory of how many you had, uh, or an estimate, an estimate of them, and uh, and now they've actually started to find those thousands of bodies. So it's not okay. even in the hundreds or tens as they used it's to say. It's more. more. It's quite a lot more. Okay. It's genocidal numbers. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so I wrote this poem because as a reaction to that, uh, because uh, I hadn't I hadn't heard of of these of these mass graves before. Um, I had heard. I had heard that there were claims that had that the Reconciliation Commission uh, had been hearing from thousands of survivors of residential schools, but it was never clear how many different claims there are, what are what people were saying, what people were claiming. Uh, I, I had heard people say that a lot of the the the, the testimonies were 
uh, not put down, but uh, made less uh, raw, less less uh, violent. Because up that cl- they were, yeah, they they cleaned them up so that the the general public wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, outraged, basically, or that they wouldn't you know they wouldn't feel as bad. So you know, so there was there was that that was going on, and you know there was a lot of indigenous folks that were unhappy about that because even the the commission that was supposed to listen to their to their claims wasn't putting was listening but not putting out the claims into the public uh in the in in the reality the real way that they were being they were being exposed yeah they weren't uh, using the same and, words they right. were cleaning it up they were cleaning it, cleaning up the cleaning up the language and the descriptions of what was happening hmm. so so yes and i can remember back in the day talking to some people who were hearing about this and them feeling that this was this this was outrageous that the, that some of these claims were outrageous and could not possibly be, be true yeah. that 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 these people were just doing it on purpose so that they could get reparations because that's i guess that's one yeah. of the the stereo the many racist stereotypes that you hear about indigenous people uh, once you come to canada as a settler is you as as a re, as a neo neo settler, I would say, uh, because uh, neo settler, I mean, in the sense that we were not we we are people that just recently came and did not come here either knowing that there were indigenous people or you know that 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 we were participating in colonization. Like that's mm-hmm. that the neo neo settler to me means people who are settlers but that are new in the sense that they 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 are not aware that they are coming here to participate in a colonial endeavor. Yeah, an imperialist endeavor. Yeah. But just to be clear, it's just to re- repeat what you said. So in when you were younger, you encountered uh, people, settlers pretty much, Settler. or neo-settlers, that, had, uh, that heard indigenous people's claims about uh, what had happened yes. with, with residential schools and all that, and uh, the untold numbers of people that had been killed or buried yeah. or disappeared. Yeah. And their reaction was to deny it or to think that it was an exaggeration or just right. a demand for reparations, demanding for money. So looking yeah. for something out of uh, an untruth or, or a lie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So so there, so there was a lot of that. Um, and especially, so you remember at the University of Guelph in, I can't remember, 2020, 12 or 2013 when, when we were that's we were, when we first we were in a in, in a professor's uh, professor had brought over lecturers uh, uh, or speakers and he had brought two there was one that was for that was uh, on two separate days on two separate occasions he brought one survivor from the holocaust uh, survivor and then another day he brought a a child or sorry not a child well a man that had grown up or that had partly grown up in residential schooling um, yeah. and who was there to tell his story as a survivor and as somebody who had been working with the truth and reconciliation commission to 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 uh, out some of these to put that put out some of these stories and to try to make uh, to, to try to organize reconciliation from the indigenous side of things. And, and, um, and the reactions, I remember the reactions quite well. I remember the reactions, the differences in the reactions. The differences in the reactions were uh, night and day almost. Uh, during the, I'd say appalling. I, they were appallingly night and day in the sense that... Uh, that when it was the when it was the, the 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 Holocaust survivor, people were crying in the in the room. People were literally crying 
And, you know, I think one girl fainted at one point um, uh, because this guy was a kid at the time. He was a kid and, and you know, uh, he had uh, some interesting stories to tell. And, you know, all power to that guy and, you know, uh, you know uh, for, 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 you know, expressing what happened to him, the realities that, that he suffered. Uh, but but the, when we get to when we got to the next time the next uh, presentation from that indigenous speaker, that indigenous survivor, uh, the reaction was a complete 180. Complete 180. They, they they there was no crying, and you could when you when you the people weren't saying anything. But I remember one of our friends. You remember? I forget. Uh, I think Ashley was her name, uh, and Ashley later afterwards told me. Uh, that, that that some of the stuff that, that calling it cultural genocide was going too far. There was no cultural genocide because because that would put this that would put Canadians on the same level as the Nazis, um, and that was impossible. So so I, I remember that experience. What I remember from it was actually looking back at the class because this was in an actual auditorium with several hundred seats and um, yeah you know one of the thing made clear super clear obviously we're not denying that the holocaust happened it definitely did happen yeah and fuck nazis nazis yeah. are horrible and nazis uh yeah and we shouldn't be emulating anything that they say or do and we should be condemning them in the strongest terms and words and actions possible fuck nazis fuck fascists well the problem but when, wasn't when it came to this gentleman's presentation the indigenous Representative, he wasn't just a survivor of a residential school, like you said. He actually worked with the Reconciliation Commission, and he also worked with his own indigenous groups uh, to to advocate in favor of indigenous uh, groups and indigenous truth about uh, about residential mm-hmm. schools and all that. So he was presenting an entire book that yeah. he'd written over a period of uh, ten or fifteen years or so, and. He was a bit older. He was in his late 30s, perhaps early 40s or something like that. And he obviously had personal experiences with that. He'd grown up. Because let's just be clear, the last residential school closed in the late 90s. So yeah. it's this is very recent stuff. And I remember clearly looking at some of the faces of the people that were sitting behind us and next to us. And you could tell people that had been crying and sort of weeping at the uh, Holocaust, which is normal. I think it's it's good to for us to, to, to express our feelings and emotions about a situation yeah. like this. They were, some of them looked angry at the indigenous yes. representative. Yeah. They were incredulous, yeah. angry, and just, uh, just denying it wholesale. And yes, later on, uh, it wasn't this person that uh, that had d- d- denied it or felt denial. It was a friend of theirs. They were t- we were talking about a friend of theirs. We were talking to her, to our friend Ashley, about another friend oh. who had been one of the people to cry, but was a genocide denier in Canada about the indigenous uh, and yeah. residential schools and, right. and other things. I mean, there aren't just residential schools yeah. that uh, were bad. There was lots of other things that we could talk about. But uh, yeah, no. So it's just. It's. I think it's appalling. I think it, that sort of behavior. It's, you can tell there's a, a two, uh, like a. There's a double standard. Yeah, there's a double, a big, huge double standard there, and it, it makes sense at the same time. It's not totally, un, you know, understandable or not. It's not understandable. We can understand. We can uh, sort of understand these people might be perpetrators, uh, because they continue the violence, right? So the colonial colonialism isn't over. It's not done. Imperialism is still in full swing, in a lot of ways. And it's just because it's 
conveniently hidden to a certain extent and normalized to the point where we don't see the thing happening. Uh, but you don't have to look that far. You don't have to dig that deep. Indigenous people wouldn't be still demanding rights and recon recognition about their the, 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 their ancestors and their suffering and their current suffering mm -hmm. with their descendants uh, if something wasn't happening. Um, it, it's it it amounts to similar Holocaust denial to deny this sort of genocide, this genocide with indigenous people. And people, some people are just not ready to admit that. And they will vehemently defend themselves and their ancestors to the, to the end because they cannot admit these things. Right, yeah. So, so that, kind of, that, that kind of provides a context to the way that, that, you know, the way that we experienced some of these revelations revelations that the you know what happened in 2020 2021 was not the first time and you know that's 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 true that's acted there's there's a lot of evidence that that's the case uh but but what happened in 2021 was that it it seemed that there was a general shock that occurred in the mainstream media and in the mainstream you know social social media that uh, that, that somehow it struck a chord and now people were listening and now people were wearing those orange t-shirts and they were saying all children's lives matter and all that um and and it was great it was great to see that however i was extremely skeptical that it was going to last and now here we are you know months later uh, another year has passed and are people talking about this heck no nobody seems to care um, and, you know, and, you know, in, and one of the reasons I named it, I, I titled the poem untold numbers is that not only are there untold numbers, but the, like, this is literally untold. Like this is, this is something that I think people actively seek to forget, you know, they actively seek to not talk about this and it, it blew up in their faces and, and last year and now it's it's dead again like it's it's not it's not dead in, in indigenous people's minds and in they're in their in their bodies they feel this stuff um uh, but but it and 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 it's not dead in mine like it's it's this is something that i actively think about you know uh, i mean i remember i remember being you know um you know 13 years old or something or i can't remember 12 years old and realizing that there's something very strange about Canada there's something about it you know the way that you know the way that people live here is inherently colonial you know there seems to be no real attachment to specific places there all places look the same in many in many circumstances you know like what's the difference between the a suburb of Mississauga and a suburb of Brampton and a suburb of Guelph or a suburb of you know Kingston Ontario you know what is the difference they're all the same thing you know and you know i i'm sorry to say like this is going to shock a lot of canadians a lot of canadians are going to come back and they're going to they're going to be mad at what i'm going to say but i'm sorry like there is there is a fundamental coloniality even before we get to the topic of the the indigenous uh, the treatment of it, of indigenous people by settlers and colonial imperial uh, endeavors like the very spaces in which you walk and you work and you live are inherently colonial so you know 
And that doesn't mean that that's not something that is, isn't occurring in Europe. That's not something, it doesn't mean that it's not happening in other parts of the world. Uh, but yeah, I, arguably there's, there's something quite colonial about modern life as it is. Um, and that might seem abstract to some people, but real, read a little history, people. Like the, 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 British, the British Empire wasn't like 60% of the world uh, for nothing. And that, that, it's not because it disappeared in the 60s that that, that ended abruptly and nothing is colonial anymore. Um, yeah, it's know, not because we continuously talk about decolonialism or decolonization in universities or something, or when we present uh, a politician or something like that, they uh, acknowledge that they live or that they're doing something on an indigenous population's land or something like that. That's not uh, a signal that colonial colonialism and, and imperialism is gone. Uh, even if it was gone, if you want to argue that for argument's sake, uh, which is itself an abstraction, again, from reality, uh, then you would still have to acknowledge that the history is still present. The, the ruins, if you want to talk about it that way, of colonialism are still there. Which is why when we talk about Europe, even though they don't have any more... Well, some, some countries still do, actually. Some colonial places still exist, but they're more officialized as part of their countries, like uh, like the islands in, in uh, the Caribbean or something like that, that still belong to France or England or... Or Denmark uh, or the Dutch or something. Or like closer that. to Canada, Saint Pierre et Miquelon is yeah. the, those two islands, you know, on the on the, the Atlantic coast. That those are still French, and yet you know they're they're. No one know. calls that colonialism, even though it's definitely colonialism. So 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 another so like uh, I guess an olive branch to to Canadians like this is not us. This 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 podcast is not us coming at you saying you guys are the only people who do it. Uh, we we come from we uh, as as settlers neo settlers people who are both uh, French um, you know uh, and and you know have Algerian descent uh, you know in us uh, our origins like we 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 understand what it is like we know that you know there's a lot of other places in the world that have that have that I mean you're the 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 country to the south of Canada has nothing to say. You know, in terms of that, it is not doing any better. Um, but nor is Canada, because I think a lot of the, in my opinion, specifically on, on at least on a, a portion of the reaction that people gave last year and maybe even the previous, I think it was specifically 2021 when yeah. the uh, mass grave thing came out. Yeah. So the reactions that some people gave was to immediately defend Canada and to say that Canada is not as bad as the United States, which is usual. Yeah, it's true. Can the United States, there's, there's a lot of problems with it. Depends so, for whom. Depends for whom. Yeah. What Depen- do you mean? It depends. It de- uh, this whole worse and better thing, yeah. it, it, really, you have to qualify by it depends worse for whom. At yeah. what time? No, that's, that's true. I mean, so you know, when, when you were mentioning the suburbs all looking the same, yeah. you can look at any city in the United States and talk about it. It's, it's very similar. They yeah. might have American flags here and there, a different colored roof, maybe a little bit of a difference in architecture. But in general, suburbs, cities, malls, all that stuff, it's all very similar. And there are some little differences here and there, and this is going to anger some of the more uh, people that don't really care about this stuff but that really want to defend Canada versus the United States. Canada and the United States are extremely similar places with similar histories. Even if in the literal lines, the historical lines, they have different events and different timelines and different people with different names, they are very similar because they're both colonial and imperial countries. 
even if the United States separated itself from its colonial overlord, England, or its big brother, if you want to call it that, they are still a colonial and imperial enterprise. And there's many ways to look at it, but Canada is the same. Canada is just better at hiding it, better at pretending that it's not colonial or imperial. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also my other point about the, the suburbs. It's capitalism to a certain extent. Things are organized in such a fashion as to allow for capitalist enterprise to, to, to thrive or to function. So you're going to find similar kinds of organization, spaces where people live, spaces where people work, places where workplaces are, you know, the same kind of organization. You're, 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 you're like studying social spaces and all that. So yeah. there's a general sort of understanding of uh, an abstraction of thought about how to make the world exist in a certain way so that we can function as a society, as production, as right. economy. As, so. as So, yeah, so just to bring this back a little, it's... In a society, in societies that are built with economic functions that, or economic, we'll say economic processes that that involve accumulation, the accumulation of raw materials, the accumulation of goods, the accumulation through production and through extraction of of those raw materials uh, for production. Uh, you know, and, and that this, that this, and even if it's more free, like in in my mind, even if you know you make, uh, you 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 know this could be, we could live in socialism, for example, you know in some in a form of socialism, and if and if it's still if it still has at root uh, uh, an accumulationist kind of 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 manner of production. Then, then you know that 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 kind of thing le- usually leads to an expansionism and uh, of of the entity of the social entity in, in 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 you know that we're talking about. And usually, what that entails is uh, a, a kind of colonialism, a kind of colonialism. Some people from somewhere else are going to tell other play other people from other places what to do, what to produce, where to send it, where to accumulate it. And if, if those people don't want to do that, those people are going to go over there and force them to do it. So that's generally, once accumulation is a main principle to any society, it, it, that's usually what happens. Sometimes it could be more fair than others. Sometimes you can negotiate more than others. But generally in history... That's what we've seen. We've seen that accumulation leads to colonization in one form or another. Yeah, or imperialism is a big term, I guess, in this yeah. case. So, yeah, if you've got a growing economy, you know, yeah. and it's, uh, I guess, early capitalistic to a certain extent, mm-hmm. because feudalism doesn't have the capacity really to accumulate as much. It, uh, it tries to survive on subsistence and things well, like that. So, But specifically yeah. in this case, if I can finish my thought, it's just that... Uh, if we usually we see throughout history as we've lived it, uh, to a certain extent, uh, the process of accumulation leads to the creation of larger society, and larger society needs more to yeah. survive, and also it tends to build markets to exchange things, and in that sense, they start to need more resources, and you right. get more resources by expanding and getting out of your main area and taking other areas over. Mm-hmm. And you want to fund your, or to provide resources for your economy, prosperity to a certain extent. And the only way to do that in that context is to expand outwards and to take over lands and resources from other places. 
So colonialism, I mean, even if the colonizers themselves, the people that ended up creating colonialism, didn't have that idea in mind, the uh, unequivocal result is colonialism. It, this is what it resulted in. It facilitated. So let's say just a random person, uh, Jacques Cartier or, or any uh, big explorer, uh, Columbus. Yeah, Christopher Columbus. Let's, let's talk about this big guy. So he goes out to explore and to bring glory to his name or to his people or something like that. He doesn't have necessarily in mind the idea that there's going to be sure potential in the place that he wants to go to. Uh, but he ends up doing it later on. I mean, that's not what I'm not questioning that he did something fucked up in any way in the end. But he opened the door. Those people opened the door for the colonial process. Those people are necessary in order to get it started. Uh, even if they don't say, hey, I want this to become New Spain, they are opening the door for it. You know, So even if you don't think ahead that you're going to cause those kinds of things, you still are. And to some extent, even if you didn't know, you're still responsible well, he for wasn't. It. So that's the other thing. is if you, if you read the histories that are being written right now, the, Columbus didn't just go and explore. Like yeah. the, this idea of... I'm just going to go off. I'm an explorer. I'm just going to go off and explore the world and, you know, yeah, so maybe get I'm glory from it. The way I said that is, well, no, it's just like, a, just a clarification. It, it's not true that Christopher Columbus just went uh, to, to yeah, do. He, he didn't maybe he back. had his own ideas about what he was going to do, but he knew very well that the money he was getting, the funding he was getting, the men, the boats, all that stuff was, by, was provided by royalty. Royalty and you know, uh, venture capitalists yeah, of the time yeah. uh, that were that Joint had stock yeah, that had mercantilist, you know, yeah, they were trying, visions. They, they wanted had, to get something in return, a return on their investment. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep funding. And it was either land or prestige, or you know, land, a prestige from land or prestige from from discovery or stuff like that. Uh, but so just to get back to the the main topic that you know that got us into these rambles here that still makes sense um who who is it that gets that gets caught up in this crossfire in this crossfire of, of accumulation started by this desire for accumulation um and this principle this this kind of principle this economic principled society of accumulation now what do we get we get well, these, these, these indigenous peoples and in, all over the world who, who have been forced out, forced to, f- and, or, or either killed. And, you know, you know and often that's, that's the case. And not just them, their entire localities, their places, their, their homes, their homelands have been completely destroyed, completely changed for the most part. Um, Which is something you don't see in the history books. I mean, we've been, let's just make it clear, we've been here for over 20 years. Like the, yeah. the entire, not like in a straight line, but the entire amount of time that we've been in Canada, we've been here over 20 years. As people. And we've, and yeah, yeah. And we have uh, gone through the Canadian schooling system in various provinces yeah. Quebec, uh, Ontario, and British Columbia. And we've seen in the histories. Uh, generally, the indigenous populations are skipped over, or uh, history is rewritten to show, or just written plainly, because you didn't necessarily see histories prior to that written anyway, uh, to show that indigenous peoples and colonizers were kind of always getting along and uh, sort of didn't bother each other, traded amongst each other, which is true to some extent, but the problem is, is it doesn't display 
the slow grinding machine of colonialism, little by little taking over territory, but then also very violently and directly taking over territories and forcing people off their lands, deporting them, uh, forcing them into reservations and things like that. You don't see great detail about that until you reach the university level or college level, perhaps, history. Uh, even in those cases, yeah, you have to look for it. Perhaps go to uh, re, you know, indigenous resource centers in various universities that actually have the funding where they can actually do their own research. But when you get to those places, the story is very different. It is not the official Canadian historical perspective. Even in universities mm -hmm. that have various professors and you know uh, researchers looking at various different angles, perhaps even critical angles at Canadian official history, they don't necessarily provide a very conclusive picture on colonialism and imperialism, especially since they're stuck in history. They're also not necessarily trying to relate what happened to what's going on today, even though history is supposed to be about historical significance and what it means to us today more than what it meant to the people at the time. Yeah, it's well, I'll, I'll have to put a pause on that in the sense that I think there's a lot of good work that's being done right now. There's a lot of indigenous scholars out there who are who are who are putting their foot down. Yeah, but that's uh, that's indigenous scholars. But I'm talking about a different, almost a segregated point of view. You mean settler history. historians? Yeah, as settler historians, uh, even if they don't have the specific. Uh, perspective, but they don't. They try not to take a particular perspective of colonial history as colonials, as settlers. Even if they try to be more nuanced, you might say, and I'm putting air quotes when I'm saying this, then they uh, they, they still don't give you a full picture or an accurate picture, a closely accurate picture of what happened. Well, yeah, in my opinion, I mean, it's yeah, it depends where their funding comes from. It depends what the universities or the departments. Oh, goals sure, I'm are. not saying it's just like, them but, as, as agents. No, it's I know it's but it's, so I think there was a lot more. There's a lot more non-indigenous set, settler uh, uh, historians that are coming around. I think uh, it would uh, it would take some time to to actually enumerate the books here, but I can always send a link in in the description uh, if anybody's interested in in some good books. On that, um, but also something that's happening right now in in the field um, is in the field of environmental history. There's a lot of good writing that's occurring because uh, interdisciplinary environmental, you know, ecologists or what have you are 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 becoming aware that they cannot possibly talk about the places that they are you know trying to defend or trying to raise awareness about without talking to the peoples that live there, you know, if they still exist as people. Um, giving those people their agency back. Yeah, giving them, giving, them, giving them at least a voice in, in the, the topics that they're talking about yeah. or that they're writing about. It's, um, it's something that's becoming a little bit more accepted, recognized, we'll say. That doesn't mean that it's done everywhere. That's far from the case, um, you know, and it depends which departments you're going to. Like in environmental sciences, you see a lot, of, a little bit more of that, depending on the department. But if you go to, let's say, geology, uh, mining engineering departments in universities, I'm a, I'm at Queen's University personally. Um, you will like it, there will be token token papers, token books about these things. Uh, but do these Paying people? Lip service. Some of them, yes. Uh, some of them are actually serious about it. 
but they oftentimes know that they are very lonely. They are very, very, you know, they're few. alone, and so their their people are the people that they're working for aren't necessarily listening. Yeah, to no, them. no, like they, that's the, that's the case is that they, you know, like specifically for mining engineering, like the they know that they're 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 starting a process of conversation about this. They're trying to make you know mining engineers and students and you know people who will one day start a mining company somewhere. Uh, they're trying to make them realize that what they're doing is part and parcel to the system that has gone on for generations now, uh, that, that they are participating quite directly in the theft of land, the theft of resources, the theft of, of, of people's livelihoods. Mm-hmm. Um, Actual and, genocide, you might say. And sometimes, well, in, and, in, and in many cases, in the past at least, uh, that has led to genocide. It's harder to show that there's genocide occurring now in Canada because of mining. Sure. I guess people take the general definition of genocide of people being ratted up, put into concentration camps, or just murdered yeah. in wholesale. But I guess what we're talking about here generally is a more... Which is why it's probably... It, it, people like to talk about cultural genocide because it's more slow, it's more grinding, it's more, you know... Well, it's it, affecting various things in people's lives that then destroy their cultures. Right, you're not necessarily destroying people... Uh, but you are destroying a people, uh, a type of people. Like yeah. you are, you are when that you know. It's the kind. It's you know. So assimilation is a yeah. tool that is used in cultural genocide, um, a lighter kind of cultural genocide. We'll say, um, you know. So an, a great example in Canada right now is the mines, the mining industry, or you know what have you. You know any kind of resource extraction that's occurring. What what happens often is that. And it's it's quite disgusting, actually. Uh, but but you know it's part and parcel. Like I said, it's part and parcel to the economy of this country. Uh, so it can anybody who works in this country really be not uh, really be uh, separated from this? I don't know. I don't want to join. Uh, I don't want to uh, judge too many people and not myself with it because I participate as a consumer in this. Uh, but but. The thing that happens a lot is that once a mine moves in, and they usually what happens now is they fly people in to work there, um, meaning that the the localities don't necessarily not, don't necessarily you know benefit from the work. You know sometimes they'll they'll the, the companies will sign a, a benefit agreement with localities if there is a locality in the area, um, and they will you know assign a specific number of jobs. But what happens is all the all the, the the attached the attachments to to the mining the businesses that it brings with it uh, prostitution gambling uh, you know uh, the amount of you know alcohol that's being sold in the area what are people engaging in when they're here it's you know I don't want to judge anybody like you can be a sexual a sexual a sex worker if you want to be that's your body that's your choice but you know there is something to be said about uh, what happens to localities when mining moves in as the main, uh, the main, you know, um, economy or the main, the main job or workforce in the area? Just as an aside, interesting parallel that we might draw between what the what happens to an area when the American military or any Western military invades a place or tries to liberate it from something. Yeah. What happens to the people? What happens to the business? What happens to their economies? 
uh, cultures yeah. and things like that. So, I think that, yeah, so that's an interesting parallel. I mean, that happened... Like Vietnam, for instance. Yeah, or what happened really recently, well, recently, relatively in, in Iraq. Kosovo, you know, when the, the, the UN sent, you know, uh, soldiers, peacekeepers over there, and most of them, um, you know, engaged in, you know, illegal illegal sex trafficking and, you know, sex working, you know, stuff. Some of that stuff's coming into to light again, actually, yeah. because of the International but, Criminal Tribunals. So, again, like, the you know, for all the benefits that are said to come out of, the, of, of extraction uh, or of, you know, setting up military bases, you know, uh, it... it it, who 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 gets caught in the crossfire? Indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, so when you're talking about localities, you mean specifically indigenous uh, groups, tr- tribes, I guess, uh, um, nations. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be reserves. I mean, like land where indigenous people uh, who uh, live uh, right now um, and have, you know, some say or some some idea of of who they are as a, as people. Um, you know, so general and, and what we see, like, uh, like the, the, the great, the great example right now is Atawapiskat in Northern Ontario, uh, because the, the De Beers mining company has, is, is closing down its large operation that has been going on for at least a decade. Uh, the, and you know, like it's the royalties from this, this project have been in the trillions of dollars, but what has Atawapiskat gotten? Uh, well, they'll, in the benefit in the benefit agreement, what you'll read is that they that that they got I think uh, more than a hundred million dollars in royalties to themselves. But uh, one thing that needs to be said here is that uh, money that is the royalties that are, that are given to that are paid that are paid to indigenous groups in Canada are never paid directly to those people they are or to the to even even to, to the, the even to the, to the nation or to the organizing bodies that are ratified recognized by the Canadian state those those people will not get a cent from the company directly indian affairs will get the money and indian affairs will decide when and where to allocate that money that so is why, in effect, they're not getting the money. Yeah, that is why. If you go to Attawapiskat now, it's kind of it's kind of far away from the south. So if you're not anywhere near the north of Ontario, like it's going to be it's oh, going to be a getting trek. there is also quite uh, difficult, even if you're in the well, area. Well, Attawapiskat doesn't have. I, I don't think, uh, if I remember correctly, they don't actually have a permanent road. Uh, but you know, they they also don't have a work a functional. Uh, schooling system, water is not available, or you know, you know, clean water is not available. Um, a housing has been uh, has been unavailable for a long time in terms of maintenance. Uh, you know, it's it's really expensive to to build anything up there. Um, and these people, if I remember correctly from the study that I that I did over, uh, about it at the time, these people at at Atawapiskat were not sedentary people they were they were uh semi sedentary uh they were semi nomadic and it was the it was the canadian government the federal government that forced them to live in a specific place um mm-hmm. but live in a specific place without you know running water without uh without electricity you know uh without any kind of the any of the amenities that are generally thought to be part of the Canadian way of life. 
so I mean, so you know, again, you know, the the, the poem. So so we've kind of veered off from from the general point of yeah, the poem. Yeah, let's get back to reconciliation. Since yeah. That's our so topic. but so from what we've said here, you know, can anybody who is listening to this, I don't think they can see any clear indication of reconciliation occurring. Like you know, uh, it, it you know reconciliation. I think it started out in the early 2000s, maybe the 90s, when they started talking about reconciliation, uh, maybe earlier than that. Uh, but as a, as a neo-settler, uh, from my perspective, as a neo-settler here that is aware, to some extent, you know, scratching the surface of, of, of what Canada actually is and entails... Um, it's not clear to me that reconciliation is occurring at all. Or that it's even possible. I mean, to some extent, what I've been trying to get across in some of the things I've said is that if this place is an imperialist project, if it is a colonial project, thereby, or therefore, uh, how can we even imagine that reconciliation is possible? You've got a belligerent force colonizing, taking land, genociding to a certain extent in the past if we want to say that it's not happening at this point because we can't prove it or something like that. But how, how, how are we supposed to say that there's reconciliation between equals? There is no reconciliation between equals. We've got a, con- uh, a, big, a big, big country, uh, imperialist country that's trying to take land and resources from people and uh, they keep c- continuously showing that they're not interested in acting with the local populations, the local indigenous folks and their populations and nations as equals. So if they're not ready to do that, then how can we ever utter the phrase reconciliation as possible in Canada? Or a sentence, I guess, yeah. How can you say that? How can you even utter that sentence? To me, it's ludicrous. I don't think it's possible. But I guess, you know, it'd be interesting to hear other people's perspectives on this, you know. What do they think is possible? There's been a lot of work, a lot of words written. There's people continuously doing research on this. Uh, obviously, they must believe in something that's that's possible. Uh, but I don't know. Are they deluded? Am I just, you know, being unfair here? Are you and I being unfair with them? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's... It depends, you know. I I'm a I'm a guy. I'm a person that likes that. I like people who are straight with me. I would prefer that people be honest, uh, honest and with themselves and with me and other people, and and say yes, we are colonial. We live colonial lives. That to me would be would be would already be a step ahead. But the problem is that we we are not seeing that. Mm-hmm. We are seeing, we are seeing, you know, defensiveness and denial, you know, and so, and if it's not, if it's not denial of the entire situation, uh, by saying that, uh, yeah, but you know, you know, oh, we, we, we gave them roads, we give them hospitals and, you know, they're, it's bunch- very clear that we don't cause look yeah. at Apawapiska. Well, Apawak- well yeah. so, so no, but yes, that's true. But like, just to finish this train of thought. Like if it's not those people right now, we're hearing you know it's 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 very defensive. It's very defensive, of you know like okay, but this was all a long time ago, and that's not happening right now. You know, ever since you know the uh, the uh, that legislation, you know the uh, uh, I forget what's it called, uh, rights and freedoms or whatever. 
yeah. Charter, uh, of rights Charter, Charter of Rights and Rights and Freedoms. We uh, ever since that in the in the eighties, uh, we are now no we are no longer the same Canada. That was British North America. We are now in Canada, and Canada is a new nation that wants to build itself. That is currently still building itself up. It's a it's a liberal project of multicultural, you know, a multicultural project. Uh, it's not about assimilation. Um, so, so you know, we're getting that kind of defensive, kind of liberal, liberal yeah. Whig, Whig. They call that Whig a liberal Whig. Uh, uh, Let's call uh, it another name. Let's call it another name. It's colonial imperialist humanitarian bullshit. Well, yeah. I'm, you go yeah. back and you look at uh, countries that have colonized, the histories of the countries that have been colonized in Africa, or the modern countries that exist now, compare them with what uh, colonizers or imperialists, because not everywhere was a colony. There were a few places like Kenya, Algeria, and other places, South Africa and all that. Those places saw a lot of col- colonials going there and colonizing those lands. But for other places, it was more informal colonialism and control of their resources and access to their resources and markets and things like that. So just for those places, look at the language that those imperialists used to try to argue that it was a good thing, that they were doing something good, you know, that by, that by colonizing those places or taking their politics and, and, uh, and peoples over and their culture and every, every aspect of life, pretty much, that they were doing something good for those people, for God, if you want to say that, you know, and you look at what they say. Look at the things that were being that are being said now, and compare them. See the similarities and their differences. I think you'll find there's a lot of similarities with the you know liberal or uh, status quo mm-hmm. arguments that you can come across. You know, it's a good thing that we're here. There was nothing before we came. Uh, we're doing a ser- you a service by being here. We brought civilization. Some bullshit like that. That's it's patently clear. That's 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 imperialist talk right there. Yeah, this means, so, that means that you're considering those locals to be less than you. You know, they're other. They're they're lesser than you. They weren't going to be able to reach this level without us. But would we even want to? You know. Yeah. So I guess just to end it off with that, um, the question is the question now that I have for you know. Uh, the end of this podcast episode here. Uh, what do you think it would take for reconciliation to actually occur? Okay, well, uh, here's where myself, uh, my opinion is that Canada existing as it does, um, and the people of Canada thinking as they do, those people that are uh, not keen on uh, changing very much in order to provide freedom and agency and liberation to the indigenous peoples of Canada, or of Turtle Island specifically, I think they need to change. They need to change. They need. They cannot stay the same. Without them changing, there is no possibility of reconciliation. There's nothing. There, there, there's no reconciliation. What's reconciliation is a moot point. It's not going to happen. Uh, we can't reconcile people that have never agreed anyway. Uh, because one person, one group is trying to take them over and take their lands and take their cultures over, and the others are just trying to survive. There's no, there's nothing to reconcile there. It's a problem. We need to get rid of the taking over. We need to get rid of the imperialism of the colonialism. And I'm not saying we need to deport the colonizers and the settlers away, the neo or the old or the post 
or something. I don't I know. Mean, what if the what if the indigenous want that? None of them want that. There, there might I be mean, some. There might be some that have uttered that. But when you talk about the logistics and even just the numbers, the sheer amount of stuff that you would require, like even asking them to okay. leave on their own, I don't think that many I, of them. Think I that. I will say this though. I I will say this that we are not indigenous, Sophie. Yeah. So we cannot. I've spoken we, to yeah, some. Of sure, them. but yeah, that's okay. But we cannot claim to know what they want. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not saying I, that in general. I'm just I'm just giving my opinion, really. And I I based on my opinion and my personal experiences, I haven't met any indigenous person thus far that has wanted that. Even the people that live in you know that, that fight land back lane, you know the land like 1492 land back lane. I haven't heard a single one. Maybe if they want to, if they hear this podcast and they want to contradict this. Say, you know, tell me what you think. Tell us what you think. But I just, I haven't encountered a single person yeah. that wasn't just, you know, that was in, you know, enraged or feelings very, you know, it's good to be angry and feel angry and all that. But even in their anger, I haven't met a person that was demanding that people leave yeah. or something like that. I would say, I would say, I, I would say, I'm sure that I, I, I've been told by, by experts on this uh, that, that they do exist. Okay. Um, they're few and far between, but I've been told that they do exist. So it's so I wouldn't deny the possibility of some people having the, yeah, those ideas. That's true. Now, is we're it talking the, about nations, though. Is, is 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 it the majority though? I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say so. Um, uh, but it's so. I, I just want to tone down the the act of of saying what these people want. Okay. Um, I think they make they make it quite clear what they want. And yeah, they I think, do it all the time. Yeah, and I think that it's clear. It's I think it is. It's clear that the, from from what we've been hearing from the majority of indigenous activists, of indigenous scholars, uh, that uh, that they 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 just want to be treated fairly. Yeah, and, you know they want they want their sovereignties to be recognized. They want their agencies to be recognized. But then that's why when you ask me, do I think that reconciliation is possible? Uh, we're not even recognizing them as agents. We're not recognizing their sovereignty. We're barely recognizing them as nations. It's it's just it's a joke the way that Canadian the Canadian state recognizes them as nations. Okay. So so, so but that's how the so, world is now. So what do you mean by we have to change? Well, we need first of all, definitely I agree with you. We need to be treating these people as people first of all, but also as having a right to self-determination, as a right having nations, as a right to having language and access to their territories, and, I mean, just even owning their territories to a certain extent, even though the property thing, that's another debate, we can talk about that. The property doesn't necessarily sound the same or exist in the same way for indigenous nations and their cultures as they do for Western people or something like that. So that's that's another topic. But still, it's like we need to give them what they deserve as human beings, which is respect, and we need to start not just treating them that way, but... Letting them live, really. Letting them live as they wish to live. And so, when you say letting them live, what do you mean by that? I mean letting them actualize their indigenous being. Yeah, okay, but where? In Canada. In, well, in Canada. In what would not be in Canada, like in, on Turtle Island. I guess. Okay, I don't so, know. so that's... I'm not so really that, sure how to answer that's, that question. That's what I'm trying to tease out here, is... Since what you're saying is that you know we have to st- that Canada, as it exists right now, is a colonial project. Yeah. Is oh, it right. I think I said, I said, yeah, you know that. that's what I know. That's what you said. I'm just kind of bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing all the the claims together. 
So you say that, and then you say we have to change. Yeah. And so, so what? Uh, so I think what you're you're saying here is we have to. Canada as it exists has to. I did say this as well. As Canada as it exists now will have to cease to exist. Okay. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Meaning that what ceases to when, exist? When Canada, when 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 the people of like when the colonizers decide to not be colonizers anymore and to actually not be colonizers anymore, but also to change their ideologies and thinking about being colonizers, all that we need to fully actualize the states of indigenous people, so the nations, their nations fully actualized their in, so with institutions. Their, yes, institutions, like the full meaning of a state, you might say. Okay. Yes. We need to fully liberate those things. You know, obviously we won't be doing everything. We want we want to be to make a movement of ex colonizers, you might call them or something like that. Or actual colonizers, since there's still that. We want them to come together with the indigenous movement so that their nations and their people can exist okay. on their land. And so with the full privileges see? of their lands. And so what do you see? I'm just making myself the, the, the question uh, poser here. But yeah. what do you what do you see as the 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 place of of of, the, of settlers within within those spaces that you're these indigenous sovereign spaces that you that mm. you're talking about? I see mutual respect actualized in the sense that they would live on this land. Uh, they would share it. That there would come to be a position where we can actually both nations, uh, Western and and can I guess let's call it Turtle Island nations, coming together as one, you know, but not as Canada. Canada as it exists, it cannot do that. It is not able to do that. I don't know exactly what it looked like yet. It's not something that we've seen before. I, yeah, and but it's, it's like let's yeah. let's take a let's take a, a, a practical example. So, in Algeria. Uh, when Algeria was was finally liberated itself from the yoke of French imperialism, took up arms for eight years, fought for eight years to liberate itself. 1954 to 1962. Yes. And there were French people that stayed. Not everybody left. A lot of people left because France had told them that the indigenous population, so that Algerians, were going to kill them, were going to exact revenge, you know, exact revenge on them. So a lot of people started believing that and decided to leave. Mm. Uh, also, people were, all, to a large extent, some people were not willing, especially the rich, the capitalists and all that, were not willing to let go of their privileges. And so they probably would have had some sort of repercussion to their existence because they were literally enslaving the local population, the indigenous population, and other workers. But there were French people, citizens, and others that fought with the Algerians so that they could liberate themselves and those people stayed and were not bothered even though they were themselves colonizers in their youth or before they fought against the colonial forces or the colonial armies and imperialist French forces so if those people are able to do that that's the kind of goal that we should have the indigenous movements and the liberation movements uh, in Canada interested in helping in mutually fighting for a common united future uh, I, I see that. That's what I see. I'm not sure, obviously, if in exact, those exact terms as I'm using them, indigenous people will agree. It's, it's possible that they might not, or they might, or something like that. But I think that a future like that is what we want, is what we need. It's what, it's what I, as a settler myself here, 
think should be the goal is I don't want Canada to continue existing as it does. I don't want, um, if I have children ever, I don't want them to grow up in this sort of environment. Um, I don't want them to continue the violence of colonialism. And the only way for us to get to something that doesn't resemble this sort of thing is to get rid of it, is to do away with it, is to actually live the decolonization, to actually create it, to destroy colonization and imperialism. And that, to a certain extent, will have to happen anyway if we're talking about an international getting rid of capitalism or something like that, anti-capitalist project. It has to happen in North America because even if it is still uh, in the process of colonizing, in the process of imperializing the territory, the land, and the resources, and the peoples, then uh, you know it's, it's also still one of the core nations supporting imperialism and capitalism in the world. I firmly, I strongly believe that, and it has to be done here. We have to Why? go through the process of de-imperializing and decolonizing this space yeah. so that we can also support the struggles around the world. Do them simultaneously. I don't know. I'm not a you know, tactician or something like that. Yeah. No, but that's that's already quite good, I think. Um, it's, yeah. It, there's you're you're saying a lot, and there's there's some a lot of a lot of big moves to be made there. Um, and I think the, the I mean, it's a it's a good reflection. I think it's it. What I really like about this conversation is, and the reason that one of the reasons that we're starting with this is because. Uh, this topic is close to our both our hearts because we well not only do we have uh, you know a a past a familial like uh, generational past of dealing of of fighting against colonization to some extent or of being the colonizers or of being the colonizers Um, so it's kind of in our blood let's say to do that it's kind of in our blood to, to deal with that 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 tension there's a tension in our in our own uh, familial history of of dealing with and our local with, actual existence and our yeah yeah so and we're reliving it now and you know i don't think our parents thought you know they they kind of bought in they bought into to the the canadian liberal tale of come over here and you will have a better life um you know uh, but don't but but don't worry about all the indigenous people. We've been treating them fairly the whole time. Or they don't even know that. Or they, they or they don't exist. Or they've never exist. Or they you know they ceased existing back in the day, you know. Uh, That's uh, over and done with. Pretty much. Yeah, the they, po- they've had their final solution. We'll call it right. The pox took care of them, or something like that. Um, you know, so we have this tension within us that we need to that we need that 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 needs expression. It needs expression. It need it needs to. To come, to, out, be, yeah. to come out and in one way for me has been through poetry by writing about these things because poetry often seems to be the the only way that I can put words together for some of these unth- unfathomably difficult topics these difficult occurrences and experiences that other peoples have had um, I think as as a person that considers himself a progressive in the sense that you know i believe that in that you know there are rights human rights and that everybody everywhere no matter where you come from should enjoy these rights to some extent um or to the full extent of the, of, of of the of rights then you know then then you know there's there's something to be done there's something to be said and and canada is no different than other any other nation where somebody is suffering so it just depends. It just depends whom. Um, I'm certainly not suffering in the same sense 
that indigenous people are suffering. Uh, but you know, we all and and we all have our own personal struggles. That's for sure. That's the, whether we're white, black, you know, pe- uh, another person of color. You know, we all have our have our our ways and our 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 fears and our problems. And lived experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just knocked my knee into the the table there. Sorry about that. Uh, but um, it's um, one of the things. I, I guess what I, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying, what I'm rambling on about here, with you, is that um, we we can't shy away as people who, if you think if you're out there and you think you're self progressive in some fashion, beware uh, of the logics that lead you to being that way, because if you are one, if you are. Uh, the reason I say beware is because if you are, if you are progressive in one way but are not progressive in another, you're contradicting yourself, and you know, you know, it's it's one thing to be progressive and to say that you are and all that for one for one issue, but you know, it's it's kind of like you know the Black Lives Matter thing. If you're not for, if you're not for Black Lives, you're not for all lives. You have to be, it can't be arbitrary, you know, you can't arbitrarily be progressive. You have to be progressive full on. And if you're progressive out there, if you care, you know, about, about things, if you, if you want a better world, a world where everybody can enjoy human rights, then you have to support indigenous rights. And if indigenous rights means uh, supporting those, it it means support, uh, it means, uh, you know, ending uh, Canadian as it exists, Canada as it exists. Uh, if it means, you know, ripping apart your passport at one point, you know, with all the privileges that come with that passport, uh, then that's something that you have to do. You will have to do it. Yeah, I'll just say I want to add as well, perhaps also focus not just on the more abstract things. So it's true, human rights are important, laws are important, reform is important, but there's also much to be said about going to their rallies, showing public and open support. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's not just yeah, but we about... we need to say it. We just need to... Right. We have to say it. We, we have, have to be to clear. It. If you see a struggle near you with the indigenous uh, nations fighting for uh, their rights or land or access to Even necessities uh, or hospitals and access to health care, it's like well, you need to go out there and make it a point of participating and organizing with them and, and, and being with them. And it can't... And it's so... So just to... Just to push that even further it can't just be out rallying you know it's actually got to be everywhere you got to go you got to do this at your work you got to do this at your places of leisure you got to do this you really have to do this right because society is not just about the public spaces where you get to voice your opinion society is about all of it all throughout Um, and of course you want to think like I don't want to be that person that says you can't have fun in your but at the same time, I will say that you have to be aware of where that fun comes from, where that fun begins. If that fun, if you're one of those people out there and you own a cottage, let's be let's be aware of where of whose land you're on. Let's be aware of where of how that your family obtained that cottage and who who built it. Whose or land? House. Yeah. yeah, or or your house, even your house, even where you're living. Even the shed up. you have in your backyard. Yeah. Let's because that is the whole point of this. It's not just that untold numbers of bodies are under the ground right now. Like that's part of it, but the very fact of the coloniality 
the of of this of Canada of North America and of of a lot of other places around the world is that it is the very soil the very land that you walk on that is that is being colonized it is the spaces that you live within you know it's where you laugh it's how loud you laugh it's at what you are you are laughing at it's when you know it's it is the it is fundamentally about how you are living your life, where you are living your life, and who you stole it from. I mean, who are you? Who 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 it was stolen from? And you know, and you know, like that's why, like on the third stanza, the murderers of love. I mean, like let let's be clear: when these children were stolen from their parents, their families, their tribes, their clans, and they were taken. You know, they were taken to, to a, uh, you know, uh, I guess a, a concentration school. That's what we'll call them, a concentration school. What is that? But the murder of love. That is the separation of love. Like, you know, we have to be, we have to come to terms with what it is we are talking about here. If you can come to terms with Holocaust and uh, people, Jews and others being ripped apart, their entire lives being destroyed yeah. in Germany and other places, Auschwitz in Poland yeah. or Buchenwald in Germany and Dachau in yeah. near Munich. If you can come to terms with that, then you can also come to terms with the horror that is concentration schools. You have and a duty to do that. You have to do that or else you are not a progressive whatsoever. If you or it's not even about you're not a decent human being. You are an arbitrary human being. You care about one plight, and you you disregard another. Then you know. Then you don't care about that other plight. You know there. You you don't care about people if you don't care about all people. Like that's that's all there is to be said about that. You know, and and that's not, that may sound harsh, but that is the reality. Yeah, and that's what we should be focusing on, is what is the reality of what's going on wherever we are, in whatever context. What is happening? What does it look like? What are the structures? If we don't like them, how do we change them? Yeah. So, so yeah, once again, I know, I, I hate to be that person, that, that the voice of judgment here. But at the same time, sometimes that's exactly what we need. Yeah, it's not... He's not being the voice of judgment. I am not being the voice of judgment. The voice you're hearing now is yourself, your voice, your inner voice, your moral voice talking to you right now, and it wants you to think real hard about what it is that you're doing in life and who you're doing it to. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to end it there, guys and girls and peoples, and we will... Yes, we will reconvene the next time for another episode. And, you know, and please let us know what you thought. Let us know what you think. We know that this is raw. We know that this is rambly. That's the name of the, the podcast, Rambling Symmetry. I'm Yanis. Yeah, if through the comments, if you don't like rambling, uh, well, read the name, read the title. It's in the title. It's in the... This <laughs> yeah. is our point. I'm rambling now, you see? Yeah, okay, but that's okay. Uh, okay. No more antagonizing okay. the no, crowds. No, I'm, I'm not antagonizing you know. anybody. I'm just saying, you know, it's in the name. Okay. And I'm Sophian, and I'm signing off. Okay. Everybody have a good day, uh, but please be aware of what uh, we've we've said. Um, you know, try if you're be a, be a good person, be real, be true. 
Solidarity. Yeah, solidarity. And, you know, once again, if this triggered you, you know, that might have been a good thing. And, you know, and, you know, we're not here to hurt anybody. We're just here to tell the truth of how, of, of tell our truths, tell, tell the world how we feel. We were rambling symmetry. Thank you very much. Goodbye.